Good morning, 10 a.m. How you doing this morning? I like it. Okay. Good morning to those of you who thought you were showing up for the 1130 gathering because you forgot to set back your clock. I am so glad that you are here. My name is Jarrett Stevens, and I'm one of the uh, teaching pastors, lead pastors, founders of this church. She and I started this church, as you heard Cliff say, nine years ago with an amazing group of people, and we had no idea what God was going to do. When you look around and just see what God is doing in this city uh, through this church, a bigger story that we're a part of, we are just so so grateful. So I'm so glad that you were here, that you carved out time to either grow a relationship with God or grow in your relationship with God. For those who are watching online, for those who are listening to the podcast, I'm so grateful for you. And I, uh, every time we gather together, we do something significant. We do something meaningful. Uh, we, we allow God to stretch our faith, right? Because those of you who uh, know anything about growth know that you don't grow unless something's stretched, right? It just doesn't work. Like, just staying all comfy and cozy, nothing changes, right? Things actually can get worse in that state, right? But when we're stretched, we grow. And so one of the ways that we provide an opportunity to do that is every time we gather, we want to trust God with a portion, a percentage, a part of our resources to just say, God, I want to be a part of what you're doing, and I'm going to trust this back to you. I can recognize that it actually comes as a gift from you, and I'm going to trust it back to you so that you can do with it what only you can do. I have all kinds of plans for what I want to do with it, but what, God, what do you want to do? And to see what God is doing through the, the unbelievable generosity of this church is remarkable. Just yesterday, a team, a bunch of folks from Soul City left for El Salvador to serve with our partner Enlace, and so we are so excited for them to do that. All throughout this week, groups, I mean, this place is packed. You can't find a corner in this church all throughout the week. There's recovery groups, there's growing through grief groups, there's small groups, there's unbelievable work that's happening in these walls and beyond these walls, in the city and beyond the city, and that happens because of that little stretching that you do, that little trusting that you do with God. I'm going to trust this part to you, God, faithfully, consistently, and joyfully. So we do that in our time together, and a couple ways you can do that. One is you can actually give online. That's how Gene and I have done it. We've done it that way since the beginning of this church, and we've been able to actually grow our giving by doing that. In other ways, you can get your phone out right now, and you can text in to give. That kind of like jump start shit will take you right into it. So if you feel compelled by God to do that, or you can do it the old school way. Some people like the sound of paper hitting plastic, and so uh, you can do that if you want as well. In fact, I'll ask our amazing volunteers to come forward right now and give you the opportunity to respond to God's goodness in your life and be stretched just a little bit more in faith this week. Uh, this last week was a fun week. Uh, it was a, a crazy week. Can I just ask, like, honest show of hands? It's okay. You're in church. You're, you're among friends here, okay? Anyone actually dress up for Halloween or have a Halloween party? Raise your hand if you actually got dressed up or had a Halloween party either at your house. No, raise. You are proud of what you do. You raise those hands high. Okay, listen. You notice about half of the adults in the room did that? There's a real line in the sand that comes after high school where you got to make a call. Are you going to be one of those people that goes all out on Halloween, or are you just going to get out when it comes to Halloween and not want anything to do with it, right? Some adults use Halloween as just an opportunity to go all out. And so it was so fun. Uh, For our family, we got dressed up, although we got snowed out on Halloween this year. Thank you, Lord. Um, But to see all the pictures on Instagram, all the costumes, I'm always so inspired and so amazed. You know, we talk about um, transformation a lot around here. You heard Cliff mention that a bit ago. That's at the heartbeat of everything we do. We want to see people in a transforming relationship with Jesus. And this last week, I saw someone who I think epitomizes the ultimate level of transformation. 
they hit a pinnacle. Like, if you're wondering, like, why do I do all of this? This God stuff? Like, what's the point of transformation? I want to give you a picture of what real transformation looks like. And it's my friend Joe Hearn and the costume that she wore on Friday night to a Halloween party. So I've actually asked Joe to come out right now if she would. Good uh, morning, Soul City. <laughs> can, you, can you hold my notes? <laughs> So good. So good. So good. So good. So good. <laughs> Listen. This, this is something. I, yep, 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 yep. All right. That's, nope, we got it. Joe, that's enough. We got it. They got it. We got it. <laughs> now, I don't see it. I don't see the resemblance, but apparently something that with the, the literal rings and bracelets and the... <laughs> All right, um, Joe, uh, we got it. I don't see the resemblance, but some people do. In fact, you were at a Halloween party with a bunch of folks from our church, and there was no, a competition, audience. a costume competition. And what place did you come in? First. First place, baby. So that, yep, we got it. We got it. We got it. We got it. Oh, my gosh. So I count that as a win for both of us. Yeah. Okay, we got it. We got it. We got it. We got it. <laughs> so I just thought if you want to know what real transformation looks like, what we're really about, this is not it. This is not it. This is two decisions away from a very creepy outcome. So, so I just wanted you to see that. Joe, thank you. I love you. I feel honored. I feel like I finally arrived when I was a costume at a party. So can we, any, okay, anything you want to say to Soul City Church before I send you off of the stage? I'm happy. Uh, turn to your Bibles, Mark, uh, chapter two. Okay, no. All right, good. Uh, do you mind taking my notes back with you? All right, can we thank Joe and this incredible costume and very itchy beard? Nope, we got it. So no. Oh my gosh. Oh, oh. I'm gonna, we have Bible study later about honoring your leaders and respecting them on just a one-on-one -on -one message I have for Joe. Uh, <laughs> I just thought that's so crazy. And I don't see it, but apparently other people did. So, okay, we have a message today. Um, all right, so uh, let me tell you about that. Uh, maybe you had, this last week was a little crazy for us. It was a little full for us, right? And that can happen from time to time. Maybe you've had a crazy week this last week. But I just want to give you a, for the conversation for where we're going today. We're wrapping up our teaching series uh, called Jesus Said, and then you say... Oh, good. Okay, so we're, this is the last week of a teaching series called Jesus Said, what? where we're looking at these, these really tough and, and sometimes confusing um, teachings of Jesus. And you're like, wait, what? Did he really mean that? And then we're looking for the transformational truth that's wrapped up in them. And uh, this last week, you know, it was a little bit of a crazy, maybe you've had a week like this. Has anyone ever happened? This is, again, this is a hypothetical, I want to give you a hypothetical scenario, okay? So just kind of play along with a hypothetical scenario that may or may not have happened to me. Full week, long week, and so you get to the end, and you're like, you know what, I just want to treat myself. I want to watch a show tonight. I want to watch a show. You know, we're real exciting people, so let's watch a show. And so let's say you, again, hypothetically, you and your uh, spouse, get, you know, you're in bed, and so let's watch a show together, and so you open the laptop, and five minutes into that show, your spouse falls asleep, and you think, you know, I, it, the kind thing to do would just be to stop the episode right here. But then, but again, hypothetically, then you keep going and watch the rest of the episode, 
and then the next one, and then um, you watch two more after that, and then when you look up finally after four episodes, you realize that it's 1.15 in the morning, <laughs> hypothetically, and you have to get up at 6 a.m., and so when you get up in the morning, you are so cranky and angry at God and the world and the universe and everything, right? And you're, you're short with your kids and with your spouse, and they don't even know why you were so upset and so angry. And then throughout the rest of the day, you're just kind of off for a step, half a step. And, you know, there's things you're supposed to get done that you aren't getting done because you're just moving so slow. And then you find yourself really selfish with your time. Has that ever happened to anyone? Again, hypothetically, has that ever happened to anyone? Yeah. Okay. Well, it, that, okay, I don't know if you know this, but that story was actually about me, and uh, it happened this last week, and it has happened more than one time before, where I made a choice of something, you know, it's not a bad thing in and of itself, but, but it led to a series of events and choices and decisions that kind of derailed not only my day, but the days of people around me, right? And I had to do, like, cleanup work to kind of get back on track with that all from that decision. And I don't know what, that's, a, that's kind of a light illustration or example, but I bet you have things in your life. All of us actually have things in our life where you, you maybe you find yourself in the middle of it, of doing something you, you swore you'd never do or that you, would, uh, you swore you'd never do again. And whatever it is, I don't know what it is for you. Maybe in your head you, you think, oh, it's kind of a big thing like those things in your life. Or maybe you think, oh, they're just small things. Honestly, what you think about them really is probably relative compared to other people's lives. It's probably relative. And honestly, it's actually irrelevant because all of us have things in our life that we do that we know we shouldn't do. And whether you, whatever that is for you, it does leave you at least with a, uh, a fundamental and I, and I believe kind of foundational and transformational question. And it goes something like this. What should you do? What do I do? What should I do about the stuff that I shouldn't do? Like, what am I supposed to do about all that stuff? Like, the stuff that I know I shouldn't do. Again, it may not start off as a big cataclysmic event. So small, lots of times, small things. What should I do about the stuff that I shouldn't do? And I'm not talking about should in the sense of a shamey word. I'm just talking about the stuff that you know is not going to lead to good things. What should you do about the stuff that you actually shouldn't do? What am I supposed to do about all that stuff in my life that I got going on right now? the effects of all that over all these years? What does God want me to actually do with that? Or maybe if you're willing to kind of push in a little bit deeper, why do I keep doing it? Why do I keep doing it over and over and over again? Why do I keep doing the things I, I don't want to even, I say that I don't want to do? Or even this, why don't I do the things that I say that I want to do? The good things that I want to do. Like, why is it so easy for me to do things I know I shouldn't do, and yet so hard for me to do the things that I actually know that I should do? Well, I don't know what it is that you're thinking about in your mind, but it's a word that all of us know and are familiar with, but no one likes to talk about. And so this weekend, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about, anyone want to take a guess? Oh, let me say it for you, because you could really embarrass yourself out loud right now. It's sin. Let me just say, you, you were going to say something specific. I'll just give you the category. It's sin. I'm helping you. I'm helping. Sin as a category. We're going to talk about sin this weekend. Get excited, everybody, because we're talking about sin this weekend. But what I really want you to get is specifically what sin is and what it isn't. Because I think when we think of sin, we tend to think of it too specifically and treat it too softly. We tend to think of, well, it's, you know, it's this, this, and this, and that's it. Too specific. And when we do those things that we say we didn't want to do, then we tend to treat it too softly. Like, ah, it's not that big of a deal. What's the big deal? Not a big problem. 
And so I want us to talk honestly about sin this weekend. Sin is not just, I want to be really clear, sin is not just the naughty things that you're not supposed to do. It's not just the big ones, you know, that you know you're not supposed to do. It's not just, as we said a second ago, it's not just the bad things that you're not supposed to do. It's the good things that you know you actually want to do. Listen, sin is believing that you have found a better way than God's way. Sin is believing, I I got it. This will work. I've got a better way than God's way. Simply put, this is it. You might want to jot this down. I'm going to give a couple definitions here, and we're going to walk through some terms here. You might want to jot this down. Let's just say it this way. If you have a friend who struggles with sin, just take some notes for them right now. Yeah. And if you're elbowing your spouse or partner to do that, that's not cool. Don't do that to them in church. Just you take your notes. They'll take theirs if they want to, all right? All right, so you might want to jot this down. This is how we, I want us to have as a framework for sin this weekend. Sin is, listen, sin is anything that separates you from God. That's it. That's it. Sin is anything that separates you from God, period. Anything that separates you from God. Anything that you do or choose not to do that separates you from God. Sin is fundamentally about separating you. Now get this word. This is really important. Separating you from intimacy with God. That's what sin is. It's anything, anything that separates you from intimacy with God. It's not about some spiritual scorecard where you're trying to have more wins than losses at the end of your life. It's not about comparing yourself to other people who may seem better at this than you or worse off at this stuff than you are. It is all about intimacy with God. I want to be really clear. That's the game. It's all about intimacy with God. Because listen, everything you do or don't do, everything that is true of you is connected to your intimacy with God, your closeness with God your connection with God, your relationship with God. And simply put, anything that separates you from that is sin. And this may come as a huge surprise. Jesus had a few thoughts about sin. The Bible has a few things to say about sin. And so what we're going to look at today is this radical teaching of Jesus that offers a radical response to sin and invites you to take radical responsibility for your intimacy with God. So I want you to grab a Bible and I want you to open to Matthew chapter 18. Go to, to Matthew chapter 18. If you got a Bible, awesome. Got it on your phone, great. If not, right under your seat or on your armchair, there should be a Soul City Bible. Turn to page 799. 799 will fast track you right to Matthew chapter 18. Page 799. Let me give you some quick context while you're turning to Matthew 18. This is um, well into Jesus's public ministry and not far from the events of the cross and the resurrection. And his followers had been with him for a little while now. And then they'd been with him all the time. You know, they traveled with him. They'd seen him teach, heard him teach. They'd seen him perform miracles. They were even a part of some of those miracles. So they've kind of seen it all with Jesus. And at the beginning of Matthew 18, we're not going to get into it, but at the beginning of Matthew 18, they're having an argument about who among his followers is the greatest. Who's like the best? Like who's his favorite, Right. And so as Jesus kind of hears, and this is not the only time they had that argument. And so as Jesus hears this, there was a child that was there while he was in, you know, sort of a crowd setting. And so Jesus kind of pulls the child in. And I want you to imagine that Jesus with his hands on this innocent child, you know, he just has this child here. And with that child there in front of him, Jesus teaches what we're about to read. This is in Matthew 18, verse 6. It says this. 
He says, now remember, when I get to the end, I'm going to say Jesus said and you say, but better than that. Uh, Matthew 18, verse 6. If anyone causes one of these little ones, now you can see that child there, but lots of times when Jesus used that phrase, little ones, or you know, you've heard that phrase, oh ye of little faith, he's actually talking about his followers, people who are serious about following in the way of Jesus, who are new at or young in faith, right? So he's using a literal child, but also to talk about a childlike faith and relationship with God. So he says, if any one of you causes these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble out of intimacy with God, to stumble, to stray, to fall. Look at what he says. It would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Whoa, Jesus said, what? what? He said, basically, it's better for you to take a long walk off a short pier than to actually cause someone else to stumble out of intimacy with God. Dang, Jesus, he is not pulling any punches here. And what he's talking about, and I want you to get this because we're going to get a little bit deeper into this. What he's talking about here is he's talking about that when you, in your sin, that separation from intimacy with God, when you, in your sin, encourage someone else to make it their sin. He's like, look out. That's no good when you, in your sin, encourage someone else to make it their sin. It's like when you invite others to join in with you, maybe about a lie at work. You know, there's kind of a lie at work and there's things around the office or politics, there's tents around the office. So you have told a lie, but then you need backup on that lie. And so you bring others in. Hey, this is what we're telling the boss today. This is what we're saying about the, that's what he's talking about. Or it's like when you, you know, there's some, there's some sins, some things that separates from God that you can't do solo. Did you know that? There's some sins that you just can't do solo. You know what one of those is? Gossip. That's what he's talking about here. Gossip. I mean, you, when's the last time you gossiped to yourself? Can you believe what he did? No, I don't. Like, you can't. It's like, maybe you did do that, but it wasn't really effective gossip, right? It's when you pull people in. You invite them to join you in when you take your sin and make it their sin. Or you slander against someone. You speak poorly, negatively about someone. You do it with people. We do it online all the time. People we've never met. It's when you encourage someone who maybe has some standards around their sexual purity to lay those down for them. It's not a big deal. Come on. It's not that big of a deal. You're encouraging them to join you. Or someone who's wrestling or struggling through addiction, and you say, it's not that big of a deal. It's just one more drink. Come on, it's just one more drink. What's the big deal? Come on, it's legal now in this state. It's not that big of a deal. It's when you take your sin and make it their sin. And Jesus is saying, don't mess around with that. That, that, that is no small thing. Because what you're doing when you do that is you're actually doubling down on the damage of sin. There's already the damage of your broken, lost intimacy with God. Now you're doubling down and saying, you're going to join me over here. We're both going to be separated, disconnected from God. Jesus goes on. Now listen, he goes on. He's not done. He goes on to say this in verse 7. Woe to the world. Oh, this world. Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to stumble. Important point here. What Jesus is saying is there are things in this world that will cause people to stumble. Woe to this world because it's filled with things that cause people to lose intimacy with God. Such things, he says, must come. But woe to the person through whom they come. Dang, Jesus. Woe to the person through whom they come. See, Jesus is not naive here. He knows that this world is actually filled with things that point you to God. Do you know that? 
Evidence for God is all around you. Evidence for the goodness of God is all around you. When it gets above 50 degrees today, you are going to feel a closeness with God that you haven't felt for a week, right? It's, the evidence is all around you. There's plenty in this world to point you to God, and let's not be naive. There's also plenty in this world to pull you away from God. And what Jesus is saying is, yeah, that already exists. The world has enough of that on its own. The real concern here is when you are the center and the source of that for someone else. When you pull someone out of intimacy with God, this is a deep truth. This is one that, like, we got to get really honest about with ourselves. When we do that with others, when we double down on the damage of sin, what Jesus wants us to get here is two things at once, that, yes, it's true, temptation comes at me. That's real. He said that. It's in the world. That's just how it is. We live in a beautiful, broken world being redeemed by God. It's true that temptation just as much comes at me as it does come through me. Temptation comes at me as much as it comes through me. I'm the source of it for someone else. That's sobering truth. And listen, I, I know this to be true because I, I've been at the center of that many times in my life. In fact, one of the places I go most often with this is when I'm uh, upset by someone, I'm hurt by someone, or I'm angry at someone. Like maybe someone said something to me and I didn't, like, I didn't like how they talked to me or how they treated me, or I get an email from someone and they're telling me what they don't like about me or what they don't like about our church, right? And I get so frustrated and I start writing a story in my head. Well, you know, this, what, is this, what do they know? They don't know me. They don't know what this is about. And I start stewing about them. And, and then what do I do? I got all that going on in my own. That's my own judgments that I got where I'm judging someone without even talking to them. I'm judging, 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 judging. What do I do? I go to process it with Jeannie. Jeannie, can you look at this text? Can you believe what they said? Jeannie, look at this email. And you know what? It's not the first one they've sent. I, I think they have some real life issues going on. <laughs> I think that's a family to grow up in. I don't know what's going on, but they, this is not, it's not me, it's them. And so I, then I rope her into my sin of judgment. Now, what happens the next time that she sees them? She's carrying my judgment around with her in her heart. Uh, listen, it's so easy to do, and Jesus is saying, look out for this. It's just as easy to be tempted as it is to be the tempter. Now, that would be enough of a message today. I think we could all go, oh man, I got to like delete some contacts in my phone. Some people that I've been doing this with or trying to do this with me, thank you, Jesus, that's enough. But he is not done. He actually goes in harder. Look at verse 8. He says this. And he says, if your hand or your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to enter life or to enter eternal life or to enter heaven, into the fullness of the life that God has promised you. It's better to enter life maimed or crippled than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into eternal fire. And what he's referencing here is a lot of different interpretations of what hell is or what it's like, right? But really the best understanding of hell is eternal separation from God. So he's like, yeah, it's better to just cut that out, cut that off, than to be eternally separated from God. He goes on to say this, and if your eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to enter life with one eye, where like come into heaven wearing an eye patch, than it is to have two eyes and be thrown into the fires of hell. Oh, Jesus said... What? What are you talking about, Jesus? Remember last week he talked about eating his flesh and drinking his blood? Like, dude, what are you even talking about here? Now, I want to just be really clear. I don't think I need to say this. I don't think I need to say this, right? We're all like adult, like, you know, 
mature people here. This is one of, but I feel like maybe I should say, this is one of those take him seriously, don't take him literally scenarios. Okay, because like it, it, Jesus clearly did not mean to literally do that. Like the first time that you say something sinful that you're supposed to just cut your tongue off or the first time that you degrade someone's dignity with how you look at them that you're supposed to get the Swiss Army knife out and just kind of gouge your eye right out. If he meant it literally, listen to me, there'd be nothing left of me. All that would be up here teaching today is my elbows and my belly button. That's all that would be left, and, and it would be true of you too. So that's not obvious. He's not literally talking about this. Jesus is using extreme language to make an extremely important point, and it is this. I take radical responsibility. That's what he's getting at there. I take radical responsibility for my intimacy with God. I take radical responsibility. Jesus is like, what lengths are you willing to go to to experience intimacy with God? I take radical responsibility for my intimacy with God. That is the game. That's the goal. Radical responsibility for your intimacy your relationship with God. Now, I've told you this before. I know we got a lot of people in this church all over the place when it comes to your history with church. Some people, you're brand new, like this is the first church you've ever been to. Some people are coming back to church. I was a kid who grew up in church, so I grew up hearing lots of talks about sin from good people with great intentions. But the message I got over all those years growing up in church is I feel like they only got half of the story here, and they missed the most important part. Because what I got as a kid, at least growing up, was pretty simple. It was my job, my responsibility to avoid sin. That was my assignment. Avoid sin, right? Don't smoke, don't drink, don't swear, don't have sex, and very important caveat, don't hang out with the kids who do, right? Only problem with that was those were the cool kids in my school. They looked like they were having a lot of fun. But that's what I was told, was to avoid sin at all costs. Don't, 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 don't. And so what I kind of learned and picked up again from well-intended people along the way was that the work was all about avoiding sin, but it's not. It's not just about avoiding sin. It is about pursuing intimacy with God. Do you see that? the difference and how important it is to get that one right. That would be like, you know, we have um, a great class here called Soulmates where we help prepare couples for a transformational marriage for the rest of their life, right? And when Jeannie and I get up to teach the first session at Soulmates, can you imagine if, if Jeannie and I were to get up there and say, hey, do you want to know what the secret is to a great marriage? Do you want to know what the key is to a transformational marriage? Don't have an affair. If you really want to have a great marriage, just don't cheat on your partner true, but is there more? <laughs> I mean, maybe there's some more helpful stuff than that. Or when we do this family dedication party afterwards today, if we were to say to the parents, parents, thank you for being here today. Hey, we want to let you know if you want to honor God with your parenting, here's what it takes. Don't ever yell at your kids. That's it. True, not good, but there has to be more than that, right? You know that. That just because you don't cheat on your partner or on your spouse doesn't make you a great partner or spouse. You know that just because you don't steal stuff from work doesn't get you a promotion. You know that just because you don't yell at your kids doesn't make you parent of the year. 
There is more than just avoiding sin. It is ultimately all about pursuing intimacy with God. And when anything comes between my intimacy with God, I take radical responsibility for it. I take radical responsibility for whatever it may be. Because listen, you can go, this is so, you, I, knew, I knew people like this growing up. You can go your whole life avoiding sin. You can work really hard to never make the mistakes that this broken world makes. And you can work really hard to not do any of those things. You can go your whole life avoiding sin and never once experiencing intimacy with God. And you become a very crusty, grouchy, grumpy person. Because that's not, that's not the whole game. It's about pursuing intimacy. They actually have a, a name for that condition, for people who suffer from that belief system or that condition. It's called religion, right? <laughs> like, just don't do these things. I'm good with God. No, that was never the point. The point is intimacy with God. And if these things keep you or take you from that, that's when I want to cut them out or cut them off to use the language of Jesus. Do you get that? You get what Jesus is actually inviting us into? That there's anything in your life that's causing you or someone that you know or you're causing someone that you know to lose intimacy with God, you take radical responsibility with it. Now, how does that work? What does that look like? How do I actually do that? How do I know what that really, how that really works? So I want to illustrate it for you. And I'm going to ask two people to volunteer, and I'm going to ask the two of you to volunteer. Would you be willing? Yeah. Oh, it's happened. This is happening. So come on up. Yeah, well, you sat in the front row. So, But come on up, and uh, I'm going to have you. Can we welcome them to our stage? You guys can come right over here. You didn't know that was happening today. No. So tell us your name. Chanel. Chanel and? George. George. Do you all know each other? Yeah. Okay. Like, you're okay with each other? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. You guys... You seem great with each other, so, okay, good. Okay, so we're going to play a little scenario, Chanel and George. Okay, so uh, who of you wants to play God? <laughs> All right, George, you are God, so you trade places with Chanel right now, okay? And then Chanel, you're just going to play me, and not me specifically, but you. Yeah, you. Yeah, you got it. And then I'm going to play the part of sin. Now, I have never personally sinned, but I did a lot of study and research this weekend, <laughs> for this weekend. Okay, so here's what I want you to do. Would you guys be comfortable just holding hands with each other for just a little bit? All right, and just take a step up so we can all see you. Okay, good, perfect. Now, uh, George, I want you, all you have to do is keep your hand held out like that. That's all you, uh, the one that you're holding Chanel's hand. Yep, that's it. That's all you got to do is keep that. But I want you to do whatever I tell you to do, okay? Okay, you follow along? Okay, so what we tend to think of how sin works, right, the way the framework maybe that you have about it is that it's this big cataclysmic catastrophic event that comes in and like karate chops your connection from God and separates you from God. And, oh my gosh, where did that come from? I didn't see it coming. Is that actually how sin works? No, so you guys can go ahead and join again. And this is how, now remember, you do everything I tell you to do? Okay. This is how sin actually works. Hey, Chanel. Hey, it's been a minute. How are you? Good, 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 good. Hey, uh, all of us are over here doing this. Um, why don't you try coming? Just come with me a little bit, just a little bit. Yep, just a little bit. Hey, yeah. No, no, no. He's cool. He's cool. He's going to be there forever. Don't worry about it. Um, yeah, I know. You know what? That was good. That was good. But let's just go just a little, just a little bit more. Just a little. Okay, now we're... Hey, you know what? I mean, look, you've come this far, right? You've come this far. Why don't you just come a little? Let's just go a little bit more. 
And you know what? Oh, man, forget about him. Look, all you were, when you were with him, all he was wanting to do was keep you away from me. But we're having a good time. Come on over here. This is how sin works. It slowly creeps into your life, into my life, to break that intimacy with God, to separate you from the intimacy of God, the love of God that is fully available to you. And maybe you're here today because you feel this. God feels so far and so distant, and you're wondering why. How did it happen? How did I get here? Could it be that maybe there is some stuff that's been going on or that went on years ago? Remember, George, you keep your hand up. It's getting a workout. That has come between, listen, that has come between you and God. And what did Jesus say? What did we learn from this passage today? I take radical responsibility for this. I take radical responsibility for this. Because this is not how you were meant to live. Alone, isolated, distant, far from a God who's never once turned his back on you, never once given up on you. And you know what's so incredible? I think so often when it comes to sin and the things that we do that we know we shouldn't do but we keep on doing and the things that we want to do that we never end up doing, what ends up happening is that sin doubles down on you and brings shame. Look at what you've done. Look at how far you've gone. Look at what you've become. But do you know what the truth is? That any separation like this, any separation that has come from sin in your life, choices that you've made, things that you've done, that have broken intimacy with God. Every separation is actually an invitation to intimacy again. That you can actually come home. It's not too late. You can come clean. Come clean. And God has empowered you to take radical responsibility, to cut it out anything that would try and come between you and God again. So can we thank these two for their amazing, great job. Great job. You nailed it. Thank you. Thank you. I think the, the part that's so amazing in this teaching of Jesus, remember how it said it started with a child that was there and and Jesus pulled the child in, and that gave us the context for where we started in this. Do you know where he goes right after this really tough teaching, right? It's, he's not unclear, right? Do you know what he goes into right after this teaching on sin? He tells a story about a little sheep that's lost its way, that's wandered away, away from the shepherd, away from that loving safety. And Jesus says, do you know what that good shepherd does? He runs after that lost sheep. He leaves the 99, maybe the 99 who knew how to play by the rules, who didn't make mistakes, who didn't mess up. He leaves them and says, I'm going after the one. That one is you. That one is me. There's nothing that you can do that could ever stop God from loving you and pursuing you and offering intimacy to come back into intimate relationship with him. So I want to give us a little homework this week. I want to know if there's anything in your life that is keeping you at a distance, separated, that has broken that intimacy with God, would you just be willing to just like, we've been really honest this morning, would you, would you just be willing to be honest about it? Be honest about it. 
and say what it is. And would you be willing this week to take radical responsibility, radical responsibility to pursue intimacy with God, to reconnect with God, to say, God, I want to, and this is how I want to do it. You might want to jot this down. I don't want to put it up on the screen. We're done with all the notes and all that stuff. I just want you to get this. Here's how you can do it. This is the homework this week. You ready? The first thing is you got to come clean. You got to come clean. I got to come clean. I got to say, this is what it is. This is what I did. It's not my parents' fault. It's not my job's fault. It's not this world's fault. I did this. Come clean. Just There's a word in the Bible used for that. Confess. Just name. Confess. Come clean. Get it all out. Just come clean with God. Second thing is come home. Come home. You were never meant to live outside of intimacy with God. It's not the life he promised you through the death and resurrection of his son, Jesus. So come clean. Come home. And then, this is that radical responsibility part, cut it out. Whatever habit, pattern, addiction, relationship, call it off. You're starting to send some text messages that are starting to cross some lines with each other. Call it off. Take radical responsibility. You know that if you go out with these friends again on Friday night, you know where it will end. Say, not this Friday night. I can't do that again because I'm pursuing intimacy with God. That's the game. That's what I'm all about. Come clean. Come home. And then cut out anything that's going to keep you from intimacy with God. So I want to pray for us towards that end because that's, that's an easy homework assignment, right? has the power to change your life and reconnect you to God in such a deep and powerful way. So I'm going to ask you to stand, and I just thought we'd take a posture of prayer. Lots of times we pray with our hands open. We're going to start there, but we're not going to end there. Just as a symbol and a reminder of what we just saw on stage here, would you be willing to grab the hand of the person next to you? Just find a person next to you and just grab their hand. Whether you know them or not, just grab their hand. And I just think, just sit for What a cool picture. This is what God's invited you into, that kind of intimacy with God. Before you ever spoke a word, before you ever were anything in this world, you were everything to God. And he has spared no expense to make a way for you to come home, to come clean, and to cut out whatever is keeping you from him. So just as that little reminder of God's hand open to you, I thought we could do that together. Can I pray for us right now? Jesus, thank you for this unbelievable teaching. You're so clear. You don't mince words because you love us. You love us enough to tell us the truth about ourselves and about what this is really all about, that it's about intimacy with the Father. Thank you, Jesus, that you modeled that to us as well. And to help us now to pursue that at whatever cost it may mean, to take radical responsibility in response to your reckless and amazing and unbelievable, undeniable love for us, we don't need any further evidence that you love us, God. Just help us to respond to your love. Right here, right now, in this, may a wave of just coming clean and coming home wash over our church so that we can walk hand in hand with you through whatever life may bring. It's in your name that we pray and we sing. Amen.